Before we begin, a quick note. This series was created before the COVID-19 pandemic. You'll hear an update on the caregivers and families you're about to meet at the end of the episode. Multiple generations of a family living under one roof is how we all used to live. In a lot of countries, it's still the norm. It's more unusual in the U.S., but in recent years, the number of homes where parents, kids, and grandparents live together has been growing. And when kids need looking after or an older person gets sick, living with family can be transformative. We decided we're going to live well with dementia and we're going to make the best of it. So we never see people like us. Welcome to Tight Knit, a podcast about the many ways people are working to build stronger relationships and communities. I'm your host, Ashley Miltite. In this episode, we really get to know the Roberts family, who you first met in episode one. They're taking a positive approach to a tough diagnosis together. Brenda Roberts has been married to her husband, Mark, for more than 40 years. They married young. She was 19, he was a few years older, and raised their two daughters here in a rural area near Alma, Michigan, right in the middle of the state. When you talk to my daughter, because I'm always talking about how much I love it. Mark is retired now. Brenda works for the Michigan Assisted Living Association, mostly from her home office, which looks out over a cornfield. My daughter loves the chickens. I totally don't get it. Brenda's husband, Mark, has dementia. He has problems with reasoning and comprehension and some trouble remembering things. He was diagnosed about five years ago, and the family decided that to take care of Mark the best they could, they'd build a house a whole bunch of them could live in together. Yeah. So now we're really, we are so proud of this house because it is a four-generation dementia-friendly home. How cool is that? How many people can say there's four generations in a house? So how is a home dementia-friendly? Mark and Brenda's daughter, Tracy, says for one thing, their house is divided into two sections inside by a pair of double doors. These connect her living area to her parents. So the doors could just be open and he could freely come back and forth as he, you know, progresses. So these double doors open into our living room. So we can open the doors and when he needs constant supervision, I don't have to say to him, come to this side. And I don't have to say to them, go to that side. Brenda and Mark are in their 60s. They live on one side of the house. Tracy and her husband, Brian, live on the other. They're in their 40s and have two sons, Brandon and Justin, aged 19 and 17, who live there too. And there's a very new member of the family. Brandon has a one-year-old daughter. How can you have a baby in the house and and not be happy? (laughs) As we walk around the ground floor, Brenda points out that her daughter has the bigger kitchen. This is Tracy's kitchen. We have, I have my kitchen, too. It's on my side, but this is where everybody eats. Yes. We have dinners together. <laughs> yeah. Sitting at the table on her parents' side of the house as a fan whirs in the background, Tracy says her dad was always there for them and their neighbors. Super helpful. If people needed anything, he would he would go and fix things, you know, plumbing things for people for free. He super helpful and loving guy. And I'd say he was a leader in our faith and our family. She says he always had a hot temper, though. And it was that temper that came out more and more as Mark began struggling at work. Brenda says for 25 years, he was the mechanical director at a small private college. You know, Mark had been a model employee, employee of the year, started, you know, scholarship funds with students involved and active and all that kind of stuff. 
And all of a sudden, he became the guy that nobody wanted to be with. I mean, he was a... He didn't, yeah, I think that, you know, that's the thing, the most common, uh, one of the most common, I can't speak for everyone, but is frustration. You don't understand what's going on. Why are the guys at work not liking me anymore? Why is my opinion no longer valued? Why, I don't understand, I don't understand, you know, and just, and he came home on two occasions, right? Do you remember um, coming home and asking me? Right, I came, one time I came home and I asked her, I said, what is dementia like? Because I've got five calendars in my office, and I still can't remember what I got to do. And um, she just, eh, you know, it, it's your hearing or whatever. You know, you just, you're not getting it. Well, the one thing I have to say is what's so significant about that is not just any wife said, oh, you don't have dementia, you don't have Alzheimer's. I have 40 years experience of working with older adults and people living with dementia. And I did not see it in my husband. I did not recognize the symptoms. Because what do you think when you think dementia? You think memory loss. Whereas Mark had trouble with thinking and comprehension, he was angry and frustrated because he knew something was off, but no one knew what it was, least of all him. He lashed out at the people around him. Brenda says she's learned since then that many couples where one partner has early-onset dementia, like Mark, they end up getting divorced before they get a diagnosis. That almost happened to them. Things got really bad six years ago. Mark was more and more volatile. One day, he and Brenda were doing some home improvements when he lost it, threatened to go get a gun. After that incident, Brenda moved out but she knew something had to be wrong, that this wasn't just Mark's usual temper and overdrive. She might not be living with him, but she wasn't going to abandon him. Brenda found local professionals to help them, and Mark was eventually diagnosed with vascular dementia. His issues were being caused by decreasing blood flow to his brain. It was a blow, but also a relief to know what was going on. And even though they both had counselling and Mark apologised to his whole family for the hurtful things he'd said and done, Brenda wasn't sure she would ever go back. During the counselling process, I had decided I really wasn't ready. I really wasn't sure, like, you know, trying to separate the disease from my husband. I really wasn't sure if I wanted to, to still be with him. They were apart for more than a year, but they talked regularly and gradually Brenda's feelings changed. When their daughter Tracy suggested they all live and care together, Brenda said yes. And as they began their new lives as two families in the same home, living with dementia, Brenda and Tracy scoured the internet for positive role models. But they had trouble finding any. We don't see people like our family living well. I mean, after we got the diagnosis, that was the best thing that ever happened to us is getting the diagnosis. And then learning... Okay, so we definitely, you know, went through this dark period, but then we decided we're going to live well with dementia and we're going to make the best of it. One way they do that is through Sophie, Mark's service dog. If you listen to episode one, you'll have met Sophie before. She's a small, white, fluffy Bichon Frise, about 18 months old. Mark is a big guy of six foot two. They're devoted to each other. Whenever they're out together, people come up to Mark to talk about Sophie. And the Roberts are working with a trainer to get Sophie to perform tasks that can help the whole family with Mark's care, especially as his condition progresses. Um, she finds me, she's working on 
finding me. We're practicing now going outside. And like if I got, I was just outside and wandered down the road when I get bad enough or whatever, I can tell her home and she'll take me home. So she has a GPS on her. So if I got lost or whatever, Brenda can look on her watch or Tracy and they can find me. Uh, When I leave the yard now, it signals Tracy and uh, Brenda that I've left the yard and they can see if I went to McDonald's or I went to the farm store or to a friend's house. So they know exactly where I'm at at all times. So. Very nice. it's, it's. so I get it on my watch or I get it on my cell phone, either one. Mark's dementia means it can take him a bit longer to get his thoughts out, and Brenda sometimes jumps in. Mark still drives in our community. And so, like, if I'm out of town for work um, and I know he had an appointment, it'll tell me, okay, so Mark left for his appointment, he's at his appointment, he's now at home, so I know if he's keeping on his schedule or not. That brings her peace of mind. So does the simple fact of having Tracy and her family so close. There are layers of care in this house. I'm mom's counselor. Yes. (laughs) Her emotional support, she comes in, she went through a lot of denial. She still does. Mm -hmm. And so she comes back to me, I'm real matter of fact reality and this is what's going to be done. Mm -hmm. And she's really indecisive. Are you sure? I don't know. (laughs) So a lot of it is mom's support. Mm -hmm. Tracy says by moving in together and being proactive in approaching her dad's illness, they want to show other people what's possible. She and her mom have written blogs and posted videos about their lives on YouTube. To show that you can live well and live happy. And we chose to laugh and we choose to tease and not live in this gloomy, oh, this is what's going to happen. So what? We're living in today and we're fine. We're still together. And I think even when he gets to the point that he doesn't recognize us, we're still here. He knows we're here. He can feel us inside. Mark is happy so many people he loves are right there whenever he needs them. And if the hubbub ever gets to be too much, he just closes the door to his and Brenda's side of the house to get a bit of peace and quiet. But even in private, he's surrounded by familiar faces. Their part of the house is covered with photographs, even inside the closets. There's nothing more important to me than my family. And, of course, you can go through all my closets. That was the first thing I asked Brenda was to uh, tape up pictures. I don't want to forget the kids. And so she's taped all these pictures up all over. And I do stop, you know, three or four times in the week, and I look at those pictures to bring my memory back uh, of the good times that what uh, I was capable of doing and um, that I was um, a loving father and that, you know, no matter what, I always protected him and um, I would do anything for him. The feeling is mutual. Tracy says one Christmas she made a family photo album for her dad and wrote a poem to go along with it. She called it Our Journey. When the time comes that you can't recall, I will be your memory. You loved us with all your heart and soul. You taught us our names. When the day comes that you do not remember my name, I will teach you. I will be your memory. 
You once carried us as infants, protected us in your arms, I remember. Brenda says Mark was incredibly touched when he heard the poem for the first time. I read the poem out loud, and Mark's hugging her. Somebody took a picture. I'm reading. Mark and you are hugging. Daddy and you are hugging. And and it's over her shoulder, and tears are just streaming down his face as I'm reading that poem. But it wasn't sad tears, kind of sad tears. But it's also a huge mix of emotion. Yeah, yeah, it is love. It is switching of roles. There is a little bit of sad. Yeah. But you can't focus on the sad all the time. Mm-hmm. You talk about it, get beyond it, and let's just get, get in the saddle and go. Mark is doing well for now. He and Brenda and Sophie travel to conferences several times a year to talk about their experience with dementia and encourage other families. He wishes it wasn't this way, of course. This is not how he and Brenda had planned their retirement years. It's a huge adjustment for both of them, for all of them, really. What's your your two's relationship like these days? The two of us. At this point, Tracy leaves to go back to work and we change seats. But I don't want to lose the thread of this conversation. Oh, boy. This is a scary question. What was the question? No, again, please. Never mind. (laughs) No. How's your relationship? Well, I'm not going to say it's uh, real smooth for Brenda. Um, It's very stressful for Brenda. And I know that, but I, it's just hard to, to give up on a lot of things. And our love has changed. He says in the past, he did a lot for her. She did a lot for him. It's always been an equal partnership. So, um, and I think that's what bothers me or makes me sad is that I can't be the partner I was, and I feel different now when I try to uh, hold her up and say things will be okay because they won't be okay. He knows he'll be able to do less and less, and Brenda will need to do more and more. At this point, Mark gets up to take Sophie out for a quick walk, and Brenda and I are alone. So I ask her the question again. What about me and the relationship? (sighs) It's definitely different. Um, Where we used to talk about something and then make a decision. Uh, So I can talk to him now about it, but I have to make the decision. So it's definitely not equal partnership anymore. You know, so that's hard to lose the person that you always talked to about to help you make decisions. So you either make them by yourself or you um, So consider I talk to him and consider what he's thinking. But uh, and he still wants to have a part of it. But then sometimes I have to make it different than what he thinks it should be. So that that's kind of hard. Um, but you're glad you came back. And did all I'm definitely that's what I was going to say. I'm definitely glad and committed to our marriage. You know, I mean, I came to that decision. We separated, we parted, we worked on it. And so it was a real process. But I'm not living with Mark just because he has dementia. 
you know, so we came together and healed our marriage, you know, and our relationship, but it's always changing. So that's why like such a long pause about what is the relationship like now, because it's just so different. But yet there's so much history together and shared memories and shared things and the one thing about him to me, though, that's kind of a sad thing that I, I think I observed in other people living with dementia, too, is you know, they recognize what their partner's doing for them. They also recognize that their future really is contingent upon that partner. Mark doesn't just rely on Brenda to look out for him. He's got his daughter, son-in-law, and grandsons, too. Still, it's Brenda he relies on most. And she's begun to think about what might happen if she wasn't around. I mean, I think that, I don't know that we've ever really had a conversation about that. Hey, Mark, do you, if, if I died, yeah. do you assume you'd stay here and live with the kids or? Nope. Okay. You know, so I don't think that that's an assumption. That was, if we live together here, we're together. Right. But if something happens to me, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to live here and the kids are taken care of you. Right. Because that's no. a whole different scenario. Right. And, and I had thought that living with the kids would help me keep Mark at home longer, which may be the case. Then again, she says it may not because she knows caregivers can get burned out. Caregiving is a family affair in this house, and Brenda wants to protect family members like Tracy and her husband. Do you feel like that's you're getting worn out? No, but what I'm going to say is I think that since I live with my kids, if I see it's taking a toll on them, I am more likely to say we need to do something different than if it was taking a toll on me. Mm-hmm. So I have somebody else's interest at heart besides just the two of us. Because if I see it's a strain on that marriage next door, you know, we have to consider everybody's lives. The whole family has looked at an assisted living facility nearby and they liked it. They're glad to know it's there, but there are no plans to change anything about their current living situation. Brenda says one of the ways she stays positive is by not thinking about her husband's illness all the time. When I see a change in Mark, I don't automatically say, oh, that's the dementia. If I start to see a change in him that's like different, I look at, he's diabetic. How's his blood sugar? Is it high? Is it low? Is it this? Is it that? How's it been running? What's his diet? So I'll look at that. Then I'll think about, is he getting enough sleep? And has been up at night. Okay, that could play a role in it. And then I look at, hmm, has he been social? And I've learned that we have a social pattern. And so when the kids are in a sporting event, we have plenty to do. The sporting event comes to an end, and all of a sudden, Mark's social life is over. Now, I'm still busy working, so I, you know, I didn't pay that much attention to it. So all of a sudden, now he's watching more MASH. (laughs) He watches MASH all, all the time. She says she doesn't want Mark to spend too much time slumped in front of the TV. But keeping his social life going is a challenge. She and Tracy both work full time. Mark is an avid fisherman, and she'd love it if someone would take him fishing. But that hasn't happened much lately. One thing she knows makes him happy is continuing to do things for other people. 
being helpful has been Mark's life. And so he wants to do for others. He specifically wants to do for me. And so it's real easy to just take over and let me do things. So I have to say, does he have meaning and purpose? The boys are mowing the lawn, the you know, this and doing that, and all the things that he used to do. And so in so even little things like I really like iced tea. And so Mark never comes home without bringing me an iced tea. She says it's a small act of kindness, but it means a lot to both of them. I mean, it would be real easy for me to just say sit down and stay there. It's just so much easier for you to stay there. But yeah, I, that's something that I kind of discovered on my, I had to discover because I was not allowing him to do for me. And how can a relationship really go on? I need, I need to let him continue to do that as much as possible. So we can, ha- it's not a balanced relationship, but so that it can still be a relationship yeah. two-sided. Relationship. Yeah. Plus, he still loves you. Right. He's giving you your, it's not all you guys tending one way with nothing coming back at you Uh, from Mark. Well, that's 100% right. I will never forget the first time somebody referred to me as Mark's caregiver. I was furious because I said, I am not his caregiver. I'm his wife. I might be his care partner, because he's cared for me all these years and I care for him and we care differently. And I don't see that really changing. She says the term care partner fits better with their relationship, even if she is helping him more than she used to. Meanwhile, she says one of the care partners in the house is four-legged. She's been sitting quietly on the floor next to Mark the whole time we've been talking. Sophie has been a relationship changer, right? Yep. I mean, okay, here's the, here's the story. Brenda says they already had one dog and she didn't want another one. But when she saw Mark with her younger daughter's new puppy, she realized caring for the dog was doing something for Mark. Then they met a woman with dementia and her service dog at a conference, and that was it. They got Sophie and began to train her. They both light up when they talk about Sophie. Sophie and Mark are together almost all the time but they're training her to trace Mark by his scent. So if he ever gets lost when his disease gets worse, she can find him. And so to Sophie, it's a game. It's find Pa, and she'll run around the house. And then when she finds Pa, she gets treated. Well, she tracks me. She looks for the... Oh, yeah. She, oh, the yeah, scent, yeah. she picks up and tries to sniff the air for it, not not on, on the ground. Right. So. What she typically does is run to where he was last. You know, just, I say, find Pa. She'll run to the chair. Oh, he's not there then she has to sniff him out. So she almost always goes to the last location they were together. And then, oh, she's got a problem solved from then. Yeah, we know. (laughs) And then the other thing I love, love, love is that she runs into the bathroom, opens the bathroom cupboard, and gets her medication out. Gets your medication out. And then goes and puts it back. Mark's meds are kept in a low cupboard with a tea towel tied to the handle. So Sophie can grab the towel and pull the door open with her teeth. This sounded almost too good to be true. So I asked for a demonstration. Hey, Sophie, get it. Get it. No, get it. Get it. Get it, honey. Get it. Come on, baby. Get it, Sophie. There There you go. There you go. Get it. Get it. There you go. Bring it here. Pass me here. Bring it here. Good Good girl, girl. Sophie. Go get it. 
Brenda and Mark don't know how Mark's disease will play out. They think that having Sophie, training her and keeping him busy are all helping to slow the development of Mark's dementia. They also know things will change. But after 43 years together, they're sure of one thing. But Mark, about our relationship, do you feel like you're loved? Oh, yes. And you feel like you love me still? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that hasn't. Um, that's always been getting stronger the, the older we get. <laughs> um, and um, I try to be more sensitive to Brenda than I, because of the dementia. I still like to be around Brenda to drive her nuts mm -hmm. being around, but um, I wouldn't spend it any, I wouldn't do anything different because this is the way uh, our relationship has always been and the way our love has always been for one another. Since the pandemic hit, Mark's life has changed a lot. Because he has some underlying conditions, the whole family is especially protective of him now. He's no longer going out to McDonald's, church, or the store. Brenda says his cognitive abilities have dipped because he's not getting the stimulation he used to. As you heard at the end of episode one, Mark is trying out some new technology aimed at people with dementia, so that's helping to keep him busy. And Brenda says they're even more grateful now to have Sophie and to be living all together as a family. On our next episode, we'll meet a neurologist whose years of training left him unprepared for what happened to his father's mind. I didn't have the, the vision at that time to, to see remaining gifts and talents and remaining expressions of personhood until dad showed me his own personhood in the throes of the disease. Tight Knit is a project of the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation. Our story editor is Diantha Parker. This series is sound designed and mixed by Thriller Park Audio. And our executive producer is Michael Elsesser for Limina House. We had production assistance from Mary Sire, Sarah Ali, and the team at Lafayette American. The caregivers we're meeting are just some of the many people out there who are looking after someone. If what you've heard reminds you of someone you know, please share this with them. You can find this story and more at tightknit.org. You can also join the conversation on social media at rcwjrf. I'm Ashley Milne-Tight, and thanks for listening. <laughs>